Welcome to the Speak Like a Leader podcast with John Bates. Welcome to the show. Today, I've got somebody I really love on the show. His name is Jordan Paris. He is a young, successful podcaster. He's the guy that's holding my hand through this whole thing. Anything that goes well, he did it. Anything that goes wrong, that was me. Jordan has a thing called Growth Mindset University. That is his podcast, Growth Mindset University. And his website is jordanparis.com. So at jordanparis.com, you can find out more about him. You can also scroll to the bottom and find things like his LinkedIn address. Follow him on LinkedIn for good business stuff. If you'd rather see him shirtless a lot with beautiful people, do his Instagram feed. He's got a Twitter feed. You know, he's doing it the, the right thing for the medium and all. <laughs> and uh, Jordan, are you still 22? Yeah, I'm still 22. Yeah. Okay. So Jordan is a successful 22 year old podcaster par extraordinaire. And I'm just glad to have him on the podcast today. Thanks for coming, Jordan. Welcome. The, the man, John, thanks for having me. It's been a long time coming. I'm glad we're doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I dragged my feet a little bit, but I think that this is, uh, it's been a lot of fun. And I think that the thing that you pushed me to do will provide a lot of value for people over the coming months and years. And since we started this, you know, things have changed. Like we, we, when you and I first started talking, you were getting ready to do a TEDx talk and it was very exciting. And it seemed like people would be getting together in the future in person. And now things have changed a little bit. <laughs> so, but I think that there are a lot of lessons we can learn from being in the moment. And I think one thing that's, that is, you know, to make lemons from lemonade, if you will, this, I think, has forced us to get clear eyed about a lot of things. And it, is an opportunity as much as it is a tragedy. Yeah. So I'm glad we're talking now. So let's talk about uh, your thoughts on leadership and communication and, you know, all those things. And then let's make sure that we include some things for thought leaders who might want to be doing podcasts and also thought leaders who might not want to do their own podcast, but might want to show up on podcasts and be an excellent guest. I think all of this comes under the, in the inside of the realm of leadership and communication. Sure. Well, communication is first and foremost, my favorite thing to study human behavior, communication. I kind of see them as very similar, if not adjacent topics and studying these things is what's changed my life. And I think it is the most important thing for anybody to study. There's so many different ways that you can frame things, say things. And, and one way it's taken the complete wrong way and, and the person ends up not liking you and not following your, your suggestion, or you can frame it a completely different way. And that's the right way to do it. And no toes feel like they're stepped on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it, it is really interesting and it's one of the things that I've thought about and, and had conversations about for most of my life is how one person can say or do basically the same thing as another person, but this person, people love it. They're fine with it. It's okay. This other person constantly upsets people, gets in trouble, steps right. 
the the things they're doing aren't vastly different, but I think it comes down to what you just said, how they communicate about it makes all the difference. Yeah. And so, you know, I think framing is a big part of it, but also you do, there are a lot of scenarios, social scenarios where you do have to bite your tongue too. Like I used to like, like I was a little bit confrontational in that, like I would, you know, I would, I wouldn't care about offending the wrong person. Like I would just say, like, I would just say what I believe. And one of the laws of power from Robert Greene's 48 laws of power, I just interviewed him on my show is think as you like, but behave like others. Because by speaking up or being too confrontational and having a loose cannon of a mouth, like you could end up saying the wrong thing and it makes the whole dynamic a little bit weird. And I have a friend like Patrick is his name that he thinks as he likes, but behaves like others. He is not confrontational at all. He makes you feel like you're his best friend. And even if he doesn't like agree with you, he's just a social genius. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, I, I think it really comes down to what do you want to accomplish and what do you want your life to be like? Because if it's just really important to people to say their mind and offend whoever's going to be offended <laughs> and they don't mind going around, you know, in that kind of a state and with people feeling that way about them, then, then I would say, go ahead. Great. I mean, if that's what you really want, but if, people who want to be influential and be leaders mm -hmm. and be able to interact with different sorts of people and make things bigger than themselves happen. Well, then I think th that that way of being might not work as well for that, you know? So yeah, exactly. And I think to your point, this is a, one of the anchor stories in that chapter of the 48 laws of power. There's this you know, there's this guy, I think, I don't know, maybe 1600s, and he was an atheist. And to go against the Catholic Church at that time was criminal. And he was thrown, he, this guy was in jail for, and I don't remember his name, but, you know, they threw him away in, in jail for like, you know, two decades. And and to get out, he pretended, he, he wrote a book while he was in there, you know, all about like the essentially arguments against atheism and for Catholicism. And it was just a, a book of all these rebuttals, like, like, here's what the atheist says, and then here's the Catholic rebuttal. And they, the king and everyone were so impressed by this that they let him out. And meanwhile, ironically, like the people that truly understood atheism, like that was, I mean, that was the cause he wanted to advance, right? That's fine, yep. whatever. Yep. Yep. Uh, I'm not saying I endorse it, but it's the cause that he wanted to advance. And the true atheists under like they saw the genius in that book and they used that book as a Bible of arguments to use for them. Right. And, which is the opposite of what the King thought it was going to be used for. And, sure. uh, but, but they, they never understood. They never understood it. I hope that yeah. story made sense. No, it totally, totally makes sense. I mean, and I, and you know, I think it's a pretty brilliant way for someone who's obviously committed to a belief and committed to something like he was to flip things around and use right. how he communicates and use how it's heard to be able to still advance his cause, but get the heck out of prison. Right. <laughs> so I think that's pretty, it's pretty interesting. You know, one of the things that I love and that I say all the time, it's a, is, you know, you could be responsible, not just for what you say, 
but you could be responsible for what they hear. hear. Yeah, yeah. Remember that from your course, yeah. Yeah. So I think that when I took on not just checking the box, I said it. You know, that that doesn't really help much, especially if all of your if everything's based on your results, then checking the box I said it makes absolutely no difference. <laughs> you know, you can't go tell your results you should be better because I said it. But if you start checking the box, I said it and they got it. I landed it over there. Yeah. Well, now your results start to look different, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So what are some of the things about leadership and communication and that world of leadership being a function of communication that you notice among the people that you've interviewed on your podcast? That's a good question. And I don't know if I have a good answer to that, actually. I mean, I can uh, make it maybe easier for you and brainstorm with you. Like, are, are there yeah. some commonalities between the really great shows you've done? Or- yeah. They, they don't, they cut, they, even if they're not an equal, even if it's like Robert Green, who's obviously way better of a, 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 of a human being in all facets of life than me. Like, <laughs> except he he's not in. as young as you. <laughs> yeah. He comes in and treats me like an equal. Now there are other people that, you know, they're, they can be slightly condescending and like you can even, even you can even pick that up in their tone. Yeah. Like you could just tell, that they don't want to be there. Now that's few and far between, but it definitely happens. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because there's a couple things that I hear in that. One is the most fundamental thing is just how much you can tell about someone and their mental state and all of that, even if you're just hearing them and their word choices. Oh, yeah. and And then when you can see them on video or see them in person and see their body language, even more, there's just so much information. And most of that stuff is unconscious. They don't realize they're sending it. You don't necessarily consciously realize that you're receiving it, but it has a huge impact on how the whole thing goes and feels, right? So. You know what else? What? Is a big thing. (sighs) (laughs) they do like like before an answer before an answer Uh if they if they do that i i can't i don't know do you pick up like negative vibes from that because i i do yeah i mean i suppose there might be some place where that could be excitement but not the way you did it you know yeah like (laughs) that that was clear i got what that was you know not good (laughs) Well, and you know, the second thing is, and I think this is a really, this has been hugely helpful to me in my life. There's no such thing I was taught as arrogance. Arrogance is always and only another face for fear. And when you come across these arrogant people, if you will, the person who like, does, you know, is condescending and, you know, like, oh, that question, right? Yeah. They're just scared of something. That's not the really successful 
people that you've interviewed, they come in and treat you like an equal because they don't have to worry about it. Yeah. You know, arrogance being an an emphatic trait, usually the opposite trait rests underneath the emphatic trait, something from the laws of human nature, also by Robert Greene. And so, you know, a little bit of fear, perhaps, perhaps also a little bit of insecurity. Oh, absolutely. I mean, two facets of the same wonderful diamond. Right. As an arrogant person myself, I understand. I'm, I know, like, I'm great. (laughs) I am unbelievably insecure about many things. (laughs) There you go. Well, I mean, and the first step is admitting it, you know, that's what they say. So Absolutely. But, yeah. you know, I, I like this conversation. The question, I didn't know how to answer it in the beginning, but this this guiding question was was very helpful to me. Yeah, great. So is there anything else that you notice about leadership and communication and or just being a great podcast guest? When people are condescending, get, and, and the way we're talking about it, it makes it seem like this happens all the time to me. It doesn't. But I can think of like two people. Right. Okay. Great. You won't name names. Yeah. Just go listen to all your podcasts and we'll be able to tell. And I don't need to, I, yeah, I don't need to be confrontational like in the moment and point it out. Like, I don't need to piss the guest off and give them reason and justification for like the way they're acting. Like, I know my audience will pick that up and, and they'll come side with me. Like, the feedback that I got from, you know, this one episode in particular, I'm thinking of, it was just, it was like, dude, I can't even believe you posted that. Like he was, he sucked. He was uh, <laughs> like, and I was like, I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know- it, ab- abrasive doesn't let you talk was another person. Um, just, just weird stuff. Uh, yeah. Weird, weird. Well, you know, it's, it, it's interesting because it brings up for me another aspect of leadership which is getting noticed and the freaking risk and danger that it is to just get noticed by the group, you know? And here you are bringing these people on the show who arguably many of them could outrank you if you wanted to say it that yeah. way, right? And everyone on that them- show can now, uh, everyone can, yeah. So, right. So, I mean, but then you bring them on the show, you give them access to a bunch of people who are going to hear their ideas and know them now. So you're, you're giving them a great gift. You're taking a risk of getting noticed. You're being real in the moment with them. You don't know how they're going to be. That to me is just another really important aspect of leadership and that willingness to get noticed by the group, even though it could, you know, it could, turn against you, right? It could be could scary. It could be dangerous to get noticed by the group. <laughs> oh, you, so, you muted your mic just in time there. He, I, I did that on purpose, yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's, he's a good podcaster. He knows. <laughs> <laughs> I learned from the best, you know. <laughs> yeah, so, what, so, so, so that kind of points at some things that make a good podcast guest, some things that make a good leader. I think they go hand in hand. Some things that make a bad podcast guest, probably a bad leader. What are some other insights that you have around the whole world of being on podcasts, yeah. doing your own podcast, if you're a thought leader? Let's say that you're you're a 
a big executive who's pretty busy, has a lot going on, but would like to be perceived out there in the world as a thought leader for all this great stuff that you're in the world accomplishing. Let's talk about that from the, through the lens of, of both doing a podcast and just being a guest on podcasts. Is that fair? So what, what's your narrow down the question here? What, like what, what's the, what's the one thing? Let's say somebody listening to this is a mover and a shaker, maybe a, a high level executive at a large company or something. And they want to be perceived as a thought leader in their arena. Yeah. What would be some, what are some of your ideas about how podcasting on either side of the mic could make a difference for them and move the needle? How's that? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good question. So, I mean, yeah, I think for, I can speak in my experience, it's been, uh, podcasting has been everything in, you know, you know, generating my authority and speaking with thought leaders and, you know, speaking with my heroes, like, you know, I mentioned Robert Green, like Ryan Serhant of Million Dollar Listing, Mark Manson of the Subtle Art, who I've interviewed twice now and Dan Millman way of the peaceful warrior. Like I could just, I could just name names all day yeah. and over time all over, people. Thank you. Thank you. And, and John Bates. And <laughs> yeah, how do you, and over, and, uh, over the past two years of interviewing these people, I think that I've been started to be seen in like, you know, people start to associate me with, that level of credibility. Like the fact that, you know, these people are, are, are spending time with me, having, you know, laughing with me, having good conversation with me coming on the podcast multiple times. Like it wasn't like, not, like not just a one-time thing. And, you know, like I think that it's done wonders for, for my credibility. And I don't know, I don't know where I'd be without hosting a, a, a podcast, uh, a term called borrowed credibility, is yep. is 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 kind of what I use for this phenomenon right here. Yeah, but or as a as a guest, what'd you say? Association credibility by association, even though it's not necessarily yeah. logical. <laughs> it yeah, worked. it's it's yeah. true. I, I think people even people even think I'm way more successful than I actually am because of the people that I get to talk to. On, <laughs> don't, don't tell anybody, you guys. <laughs> but you yeah. know, here's the other thing. So you, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about that. You know, credibility through association. It, it's not necessarily logical. It doesn't, you know, but that's how it works. And yet, you've just spent two years having one-on-one meaningful conversations with some of the brightest stars in your sky. That can't help but have an impact on you and how you think and what you have readily at hand as a resource for someone else you're talking to. So, you know, as much as that credibility through association is part of it, you know, what do you think about the investment of time you've made in those conversations? I think uh, that investment has been the greatest investment in my life. (laughs) Even better than college? Yeah, <laughs> you don't say. Yeah, this has been my education. But I was going to say something I, I forget. See, this happens sometimes. Oh, we get excited. I, I like getting excited. It'll come back to you. Oh, so yeah, it's important to note that 
you know, credit the credibility that by association that happened for me, that was a side effect. And I only started to realize it and and coin it as borrowed credibility, like as I realized it started happening. Like I didn't it didn't it wasn't like this grand plan. I was right. just doing, you know, talking about my thing, doing what I enjoyed and running this podcast called, you know, which was running this podcast called Growth Mindset University. And and over time I started noticing that this was happening. Yeah. Now, so, I mean, if, that if, if, if that's the main goal, though, the association by credibility, then it's really just a show of your own narcissism. And people don't need a front seat to that. Yeah. And, and people aren't going to listen to the podcast. People are going to pick up on that. Yeah, I think that it's good if you get that as a side effect of doing something you really care about and can put some love into and do, right? Yeah. It's and, a and, and side effect, but not the thing to do it for. Yeah, you know... And and again, I, I'm just such a student of of Robert Greene. I, I, here I am referencing the third book of his <laughs> already right. in the first twenty minutes. Um, in, in Mastery by Robert Greene, you know, if you do things just for fame or just for money, I mean, those are great. Those can be great things, and you know, shouldn't necessarily like shy away from that. But if you're doing the, those fame and money as like the main motives, you're never going to rise to the top of your field like you're you're, you're just not when you yep. do it because you you have this sense of destiny and you stay connected to that destiny this is your calling and you go after that thing because this is what makes you feel alive that's the these are these that's what makes a master yeah and there's so many examples throughout history of people that are, you know that have done that like Charles Darwin and Mozart and just so many people that that are referenced yeah. throughout that book as e- exemplars of that. I think that's a really good point. I mean, I think that's something to remember. I don't know that you know everybody listening to this would go out and start a podcast as their main calling. Yeah. But there might be people listening to this where it would be the right thing for them to do to start a podcast with the intention perhaps of having conversations that should be had in their industry that maybe aren't happening other places or right. things like, like that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It, it could even be, you know, a, another purpose of a podcast could be like interview, you know, just a way to get in front of your ideal clients. Yeah. You yeah, know, interviewing be- your ideal clients, building relationships with them. And I know that you and I have discussed that before. Yeah. A lot, yeah, of different, sure. a lot of different avenues you can go with a podcast, a lot of different purposes. Yeah. So, and how about getting out there and being a guest on a podcast? You know, I, you, I'd love to hear that from your point of view. And then if you've got a broader point of view, great. But, you know, what are, what are you looking for? How do, how can people pursue that side of it? Yeah. You know, I've been on over 60 podcasts, in, most of them within the past, 12 months and busy. Yeah. 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 There were days when I would do like four and that kind of, and that kind of knocked out a large number of those. Yeah. These days I really, I like, I'm pretty, you know, relaxed. I don't really say no. Yes. to Everything. Yeah. It's good. It's good. But yeah, I think that it was another diffusion of credibility. Like, you know, me appearing like everywhere seemingly at once was like a really great thing. And I see people like Nir Ayal, who uh, he wrote this book called Indistractable. And the week it came out, he, like, he just lined up all these podcast interviews. And, 
and he, you know, he'd be like, uh, you know, oh, can you release this uh, the week of September 10th when the book comes out? And you know, every, that's what everyone did. And so that week, he had he was literally everywhere. It was near Ayal week, like September 10th, 2019. And sure enough, it was the book became a Wall Street Journal bestseller. Like it was just. It, it the book just absolutely smashed it. It was coverage for it everywhere. Yeah, and I think that gosh, I'm very forgetful today. I'm very forgetful. You would think somebody who's been on over sixty podcasts too, like like I'm I'm much better <laughs> than than, you, did, than well, I, you know. You haven't shaved. We've been in this COVID <laughs> lockdown. I think we're all. I mean, look, I walked into a freaking wall. You know, oh Got yeah, a big bump on my head. I think I'm probably going to have a scar. It bled. Oh, wow. I was just a really sharp corner. I didn't really hit it that hard, but because right there on my forehead, the skin's so, you know, tight so and good. whatever. Right. So, so now did you, did you purposefully engineer that or is that, you know, is there a way that, because I mean, I don't think. Yeah. Everybody- so, okay. So that's a good question. Yeah. That, okay. And that reminds me of what I was going to say. I, okay. not one of those podcasts I asked to be on. Okay, so you you got invited to all of those, every single one. So what, I, do, what would you attribute that to? Right, because I make a ruckus and I get noticed and on, on social media, and people, you know, people view me as an authority. And like, it, like if people, I mean, what do you think? Who's an example? Like, like Dan Millman or Mark Manson. You know, they don't need to ask to be on podcasts, (laughs) like, like they, like they get all, you know, the attention because like they actually did something. Yeah. So now I know people that are like, Oh, you know, I want to, my goal is to be on 90 podcasts in 90 days. And it was like, ah, but dude, you haven't done anything. (laughs) What 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 do you, yeah. So the best way to get invited on podcasts is to do something. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. I mean, I think that's good advice. Same thing I tell people about TED Talks, you know, or when I want to give a TED Talk, well, okay, do something TED worthy and then talk about it, you know? Yeah, and exactly. You never, ever get on the TED stage. If you were doing something TED worthy with your life, then you had a great life anyway, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you got to live life to have something to talk about. So what are some of the advantages? Because I think that some of the executives that I work with and support they're a little torn about do they take that time of theirs that's so precious and do they do a podcast? Yeah. And, you know, my initial thought is, okay, don't say yes to everything and anything. No. See if the audience is anything you care about. And don't forget that just the value of the long tail of being on a number of podcasts none of them may be millions or billions of people listening, but all of them together are there forever. Mm-hmm. And when they search you, they find them. Yeah. What do well, you think about all that. Yeah. Well, look, I don't go on every podcast nowadays and you know, I'll, I'll, I'll but I will do my due diligence. I don't just say no out of arrogance and like, oh, I don't have time for that. Like I actually like vet every request And I'll go look at the podcast. I will look at their social profiles. And, you know, quite frankly, to be, yeah, to be very blunt and borderline superficial, but again, it's my time and, 
and I'm just looking out for it. If I go to Instagram and I, and I see, you know, they have 23,000 followers, but they have seven video views on each video or like six likes on each post. I'm like, Oh, this person's fake as heck. (laughs) You're right. This this person got fake followers. You know, likewise, if I, you know, if I see that they're not really there yet, they're, they're, they're growing, you know, they're just not, they're just not at that point yet. Maybe they have a hundred, hundred followers and, uh, you know, they're just not getting attention. And I see that they have like six ratings on their podcast. You know, unfortunately, like I'll, I, I'm, I'm happy to come on your podcast and I'm happy to come on your podcast in the future, but not right now. And if I see like, oh, they have under 10 episodes. Now this is an exception because John has done something. I know he's already had good guests. He's my friend. So obviously I'm coming on John's podcast. Like he's a, he's already, like he's already a highly credible, highly authoritative person. But for the most part, if I see a podcast with under 10 episodes, I'll be like, you know, reach out to me at, uh, you know, once you get to episode 25 and then, yeah. and then when they reach out to me again, I, and you know, sometimes they reach out to you again, sometimes they don't. And that's fine. That's, I, I'm totally cool with that because a lot of times they end up, I, I learned my lesson too. The, the, the reason I have that policy in place, like reach out to me at episode 50, reach out to me at episode 25, whatever, what have you, uh, is because I would go on podcasts, John, and sometimes it would never get released because the host quit before it got released. <laughs> and I, and I, and I, this happened at least five times. And I, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Wasted. 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 So that's wasting my time with a com- with a complete flake who doesn't do the things that they say they're going to do. Right. I mean, and it's not easy, right? Like that was one of the things that I was going to bring up next was just yeah. what do you what do you see are some of the common pitfalls of people that want to do a podcast but then don't end up fully making it out of the gate. You know, they the people that you, you know, those five yeah. podcasts that never got posted, you know, that kind of thing. What do you yeah. see happening around that? Yeah. Well, a lot of times it's like, number one is like the time that it takes to, yeah. to do it. And they don't realize. And, and, you know, usually the excuse is like, oh, I had to, you know, I had to focus on these other things and, you know, and then they took precedent and, uh, you know, yeah. like I got too busy and, and they reached out to me like five months later to let me know <laughs> uh, if they let, even let me know. But you know, another thing is like, you know, being disillusioned with like how many people are going to listen and how many, and, and, you know, if you're going to be able to make money from it, like, you know, maybe not the best thing to stake your entire future on making money on the podcast you're starting uh, now. Yeah. Again, going back to mastery, don't start a podcast unless you're going to really enjoy it. Unless you're going to have that guaranteed audience of one, as Tim Ferriss would say, you have to have a guaranteed audience of one, which is yourself. Like, like I, like the way I do my podcast, I, even if zero people listen, will enjoy it because I am talking like the people that I'm talking with are people that I've looked up to for years. I have a guaranteed audience of one. Now, if you're just doing it for like production sake, because you think it's, you know, people are going to listen, people are going to pay attention to you and maybe you're going to make some money from it. That's the wrong way to go about it. And you're going to quit because you're going to realize very quickly that unless you have a built-in audience like Tim Ferriss who started a podcast when he had like two New York times bestselling books under his belt, you're going to realize that it's very hard to make money with it. Number one. And number two, you're going to realize that 
you'll be lucky if 10 people to listen to your first episode. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, that's why that guaranteed audience of one who actually cares is the one that's the most important, I think. Yeah. And if you have that guaranteed audience of one, you open up the possibility of mastery because you enjoy it so much. You immerse yourself into the process of the podcast and you can, you can become that master and you can develop that big audience over time. But unless you have that guaranteed audience of one, it's not going to happen for you. Yeah. So what are some of the things that you think are the same and what do you think are some of the things that are different about podcasts versus just other, you know, other forms of communication like video podcasts or email or, you know, short form video. I mean, like it's passive. Say more. Can listen while you are in the car, obviously can listen while cleaning the house, can listen while stretching, while exercising. I don't have to be like looking at something. I, when I watch, I don't, I don't watch YouTube. I don't. Yeah. Uh, There's a lot of, there's a lot of podcasts that that I listen to that have like video productions that are really nice. And I don't, I don't listen to those because then I would actually have to budget time to sit down and, and watch, watch it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I don't, I don't, I don't have to budget time to listen to a podcast. Like it's already like it's built into the, what like things that I'm already doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've been listening to Sam Harris and Dan Carlin while I'm rowing, you know, on right. my rowing machine. And it just would be different if I was trying to watch that. It would be very frustrating to listen to it is is fine yeah and, and and nobody needs more screen time too it's you're right totally it's agree. getting out of control <laughs> oh man for everybody there, there's like an onion article uh, that i saw like the i, I don't remember it i'm gonna butcher it and it won't be funny the way the onion put it when it was funny uh, in its original form but you know it was like mom encourages son to get up and out of bed and stop staring at his phone because there's a world of other screens out there to stare at. <laughs> okay, like like we just go, we just go yeah. from one screen to the next. <laughs> oh, it's so true. It's so true. I mean, listen, going into this whole coronavirus thing, I was just doing my business had really made a serious shift to a whole bunch of one-on-one Zoom executive coaching support, and I was starting to get a little resentful of all that screen time and because I like to be in person and I want to do the large and small group trainings and show up and be there with the team. I, I, I get it. I said to the universe, thank you. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. I was wrong. You know, <laughs> I appreciate how, it. I get it now. How do you think the dynamic of communication has changed from, you know, because we're using a, a middleman to communicate the computer, a screen, how do yeah. you almost exclusively nowadays, I mean, how do you think it's changing in the world of business and everything? It's changing it dramatically. And I think that there, I think there are, you know, it's a mixed, mixed blessing. Obviously there's upsides and downsides. Some of the downsides I think are just that, you know, I've been starting to think about it a lot more in the biology sense. Like, it's not like you smell, but I can't smell you. You know, if we were in person, I would at least be picking up your pheromones and, right. you know, the, the resolution of in person is much higher <laughs> and, you know, the audio quality is much better. And so I think that there's a, 
there's an ancient part of us that feels like I've been sitting in my basement by myself looking at a static object, even though I was talking to people and it was moving and there were sounds. It's not fully satisfying to that ancient part of my brain, I think. I agree. And then I also, you know, so that so there's there's, you know, kind of multiple layers of what's not so great. One thing that I have been hearing a lot though, and I just heard it again on a call that I was on this morning with a bunch of small business leaders, people are like, I am never gonna drive to those meetings again. We are doing uh -huh. Zoom from now on yeah. and that and the other thing, right? Yeah. Um, so people also really, really like aspects of this. And I think one of the things from both game theory and a lot of business and management theory is people like autonomy. They love to be able to make their own choices and have, you know, customize things the way they like them. And you know, I, I was listening to the guy that runs WordPress.com and uh, I forget Matt the name. Matt Mullenweg? Yes, I love that guy. I love yeah, me too. Automatic yeah. Matt. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Automatic. It, he's so brilliant. And he was talking about, about yeah, now I forgot. I got so excited. <laughs> the whole thing of autonomy and people like, you know, we would have thought much harder about like, like we think really hard about who we're going to marry, but then we go to work with people that we didn't get to choose and we didn't think at all about them, but we spend more time with them than we do with our spouse, you know? So yeah. the autonomy that this working from home and telecommuting, whatever you want to call it, distributed work has brought, there are, there's more than one executive that I'm supporting in China. And what I'm hearing is as they slowly come back out of this and try to emerge, people do not want to give up pieces of that. They like to work from home and have some autonomy. And they actually, after through that, you know, after the initial shock of it all, they got more productive, not less doing things in this distributed fashion. So, and then I also talked to another executive in Hong Kong who went to her first public event since this whole thing happened and it was a wine tasting party. And when you showed up, everybody had to be wearing masks. Everybody that worked there is wearing masks and gloves. They, you know, there's a little mingling, but it's socially distanced mingling with everybody wearing masks. And then you go sit down and there's two meters between everybody on all sides and they pour you your wine glass tastes and then they go and wash their hands again and put on new gloves. And, you know, so it was a really weird experience, but she said she just couldn't believe what it felt like to be with other people again. You In know, a great way. Fabulous, right? So I was thinking about that last night as we come out of this. I think that, I mean, there's definitely some benefits of working from home. You mentioned the productivity, but there's also a dark side of working from home, something that Dan Shawbell, who I interviewed, he wrote a book called Back to Human. There is a dark side of working yes, from home. For sure. And I think that people are going to need encouragement to get out of their homes and go and, and go to those meetings. I think that people should for, for a lot of people, people should be in, in those meetings and doing those 
get togethers, but it's going to be much easier to, there's going to be a, a great excuse to stay home and, and, and draw closer into the technology because right. of the wonderful, seemingly wonderful benefits, uh, productivity benefits that are derived from staying, you know, working at home and doing the meeting virtually. But I don't, I think it would be a misstep for humanity to adapt in that way. I think it'd be yeah, a mad adapt way of living. Over adapt, perhaps. Over adapt, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. I mean, seeing it from one perspective, what I could imagine happening is that people are just going to make better choices about what matters to them to be in person for versus what matters to, you know, what would be better on Zoom. So there might be more Zoom meetings that don't require driving for just touch bases and check-ins. And then maybe people would be able to create more time to go have an actual social interaction where it was fun and relaxed and purposefully that right. versus, you know, so, I mean, I don't know, but I think yeah. it's a really, I think it's going to be very interesting to find out. And I'm doing Tuesday zoom calls around leadership and brand as a verb with this guy named Tino Chow. And you're welcome. Love to have you. One of the things that he, that he has been saying is that is asking the question of are, are you as a leader going to let this virus and this circumstance define you and, and draw boundaries around you and, potentially crush you or are you going to take this opportunity to step into your leadership and create the future out of this that you yeah. want I feel I that that's a pretty good question yeah and I and I've felt myself I that's I think it's been a subconscious battle uh thought of mine I've I feel like I've been teetering between the the two you know some days going into despondency and shutdown mode and other days like wow th- what an incredible opportunity i yeah. have here if i really well, i could really capitalize on this are you human yeah. is that possible jordan <laughs> look that I'm you know human. what and that's everybody you know like this woman that i was just on a call with before this i was on a big group call and uh, she's the head of schools at this international school organization. And she said she just needed to, she just slept all day the other day. She just couldn't take it anymore. And they're about, she's in, in Estonia and Finland. So they're maybe three to four weeks ahead of us, I think, oh, you know, two to uh-huh. four something. So, right. but she's just like, I just, I just couldn't do it anymore. And I just canceled all my meetings and I shut down everything and I just slept all day. And I told my staff and you know what they said? They said, Oh my gosh, thank God. Like we feel like that too. Thank you for sharing that. You know? And she said, look, make time for yourself. She said, this is what I did. And this is, and I, and you know, here's why I did it. And here's the lesson. And her staff was just so grateful to know that she was human and so grateful to get that grace around being able to do that themselves or do whatever they needed to do to take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, the thing that's weird about this is how hard it is. Cause look, the water's running and there's still food and you know, you could probably borrow some toilet paper from someone if you needed to. And yet it's so hard. 
Yeah. Or we've got all our needs fulfilled, right? Yeah. I, one of the Except things I maybe human connection. Yeah. We're really missing human connection. I don't think we have any idea how much we miss it or how much that's weighing on us subconsciously. I tell you, it's been a big drain for me. I, I, I obviously, you know, we can't, you know, can't know in my case exactly like what it, you know, what it is that's, it's dragging and uh, dragging me down. But I do feel that it's like, like it just dampened my outlook on, on everything else. Like, I think it's been, there's been a trickle down effect in my life just from the lack of human connection. Yeah. Kind of sucks. It totally does. And I think as a leader of, you know, anywhere and everywhere, and I know you, you don't run a big organization, Jordan, but you, you there are a lot of people that listen to you and that follow you. I think as a leader to really be clear on the fact that people are consciously or unconsciously mourning because people are dying and many more people are going to die and industries are being crushed and beautiful, wonderful, perfectly run excellent businesses are not going to make it through this. And there is so much loss going on that even if people aren't consciously processing that they're unconsciously processing that. And it is a big, difficult mental thing to handle. So as a leader to be cognizant of that and to be addressing that, because one of the, you know, it's like little kids use your words, right? Use right. your words. And we're all, you know, we're all grownups, but this thing's so strange and it doesn't have fangs and it doesn't have fur and it's really weird. We, to, to be giving language to this is something that I think all of us can, can be trying to do in a powerful way to support people and to support each other and ourselves. Yeah. It, it's like we're, uh, we're lifting 400 pounds right now. And we're only li- used to lifting a hundred, but yeah. you know we're gonna eventually go back to lifting a hundred pounds, and that's gonna seem a lot easier. That's true. <laughs> that's a very, very good point. It's a benefit. That's a very good point. Yeah. Well, so you know, I know that we're coming close to the end of our time. Uh, is there is there anything I didn't ask you that I should have asked you? Is there anything you'd just like to say because you? think people would like (laughs) anything like that hmm i think a couple of miscellaneous like communication tips yeah Yeah, i love it so number one i think about all the time something i learned from vanessa van edwards love her yeah yeah she's one of my heroes and i remember her saying this a long time ago it was years ago and you know when you're say closing a sale and or trying to, and you say the price, there's a couple of different ways you can say it. You can say, all right, John, this is going to be $4,500. Right. Or you could say, all right, John, this is going to be $4,500. One way, the first way had a rising vocal pitch as if it was a question. Yep. When our when we're stressed, our vocal cords they tighten a little bit, and so we'll have a little bit of that rising vocal pitch. And see, 
when I phrase it like that, when it sounds like a question, I'm just begging you, John, to negotiate with me. Like I'm saying, I'm not sure about this price and you shouldn't be either. That's what it sub communicates. If you read between the lines there, it's exactly what that means. And nobody misses that. I promise you, no one misses that. Yep. You could even say it like, John, this is gonna all right. This is gonna be forty five hundred dollars, and then you and then you're so insecure about it that you keep talking and talking and talking and say less. Law four of the forty eight laws of power: always say less than necessary. Because the more you say, the less credible you know. Especially in that scenario, the more you say, the less credible that you're going to seem, the less trustworthy, and the more insecure you're going to seem. You're going to seem like a low status person. So always say less than necessary in that type of scenario. Now, when you're saying it the other way, this is going to be $4,500. It's definitive. There's a period at the end of that statement. I'm confident about this. Statement, not a question. Exactly. Another thing that I know you taught me, and I, but I remember it because I talk about it all the time now. I just talked about it in a storytelling workshop that I gave the other day. For a wonderful group called Creator School that somebody runs. And I was a guest there and talked about in medias res. Good, yeah. And 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 I think it's good for us to talk about because I mean this is a new podcast, and I don't know that you know you probably haven't had the chance to talk about it yet. Right. I I don't think I've talked about that yet. Maybe maybe it's come up, but I don't think I've talked about it. Yeah. So definition of in medias res. Jumping into the middle of things without preamble, without any context. And all great stories start like that. All great movies start like that. And I know we talked about this in Growth Mindset University when you were a guest. And I I cited a few examples, one of them being Catch Me If You Can, but with Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks, where the first scene is Leonardo DiCaprio, like, on the brink of death and you know, they're bringing him like into the hospital and he's like, but then all of a sudden he escapes. He was just pretending to be really sick. And as soon as he escapes, it's cut. And it's like, okay, the next two hours are like, how do we get here? Yep. And everybody got to know. <laughs> yeah. We're all stuck paying attention. Cause we got to know. Right. It, like it's an intense first scene, like what's mm-hmm. going on here. And then, uh, in the Ted Bundy, that Ted Bundy movie, it, the first scene is 1989, Ted Bundy about to be executed. He's like days away from execution and he's talking with his girlfriend from 1974 that ratted him out between glass, you know, in the prison and they're talking and then it, and it's like super intense and like you get, like there's tension there and you can, and it, and it cuts. And then yeah. the first, that first scene Two hours later, ends up becoming the last scene, which is kind of cool. And, yep. and and you know all these all these documentaries too. Like I that, that I noticed funny, it. Right? Yeah, it starts. In, I'm trying to remember. Did you watch Tiger King? I'm trying to remember how it started. I should have noted. No, paid I more didn't. Attention. Yeah. How did it start? I don't remember. But you uh, know, another good one is uh, I think it's Terminator Two, where there's this parking lot. Have you seen this yet? You're kind of. I haven't. No. You know what? It's probably worth watching. It's pretty freaking uh-huh. awesome. It's probably okay. seems super slow now because movies pace is picked up so much. And there's, you know, I think there's about zero character development in it, but there's probably more than there is now. <laughs> but 
it opens up on an empty parking lot and there's this ball of like ball lightning or something and it's going and then all of a sudden it's gone and there's arnold schwarzenegger down on you know one knee and a fist naked and he stands up and you watch from behind as he walks across the parking lot and all of a sudden there's a whole bunch of harley davidsons and stuff outside this bar he walks in to the bar stark naked walks up to the to the guy that's about exactly his size playing pool with his biker friends in his leathers. And he says, give me your clothes. Yeah. And the guy looks at him and he's like, give me your clothes. And the guy goes, yeah, you know, and like goes back to hit him with the pool cue. And so Arnold Schwarzenegger cleans up the entire place by himself, you know, and the next, then it cuts to him walking out in that guy's leathers, <laughs> jumping on his bike and driving off. I mean, yeah. cuts, right. And it's like, yeah. what in the world just right. happened? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think it's important to talk about that. Yeah. I love it. And can I tell you another fast thing? This one's much faster. Yeah. My three and a half year old son, Johnny, whom you know about, all of a sudden, I do not talk to him about this stuff. This is purely his initiative. He has started bringing me these books that I read him, like 10 apples up on top which is a tiger, a, a dog, and, a, and a, a lion who are all vying to balance the most apples on top of their head while they do tricks. And then they end up in a kitchen and the mama bear comes and chases them out with a mop and then everybody tries to knock the apples off their head. So Johnny brings it to me and he says, will you start with the mop? And I read the one page where she's trying to get them with a mop. And then he wants me to go back and start at the beginning. Is that so crazy? I did not teach that to him, but mm -hmm. he wants in medias rest out of his Dr. Seuss and friends books. Right. Is that crazy? Yeah, that's funny. I mean, that's how powerful it is. I don't know where he came up with that, but he's, he's asked me that multiple times with different books. Hmm. So anyway, it's a very nice. powerful in medias rest, the Latin name for the ancient Greek secret starting in the middle and then you yes. don't resolve it. You just get everybody so curious that now they have to listen to everything that happened so they can figure out what happened. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, how did we, how did we structure my Ted talk? Well, it, we, we utilized that concept. Yes, we did. I'm excited to give a talk eventually. Yeah, you will give that talk. And by the time you give it, it'll be so, deep in you that it's it'll be even better you know exactly probably give it at a point where everyone's especially grateful to be in person and seeing each other and interacting with each like it could end up being like shot out of a cannon you know yeah it's yeah fingers crossed yeah. Uh, so listen, uh, Jordan, you, you also have a service that helps people if they do a podcast. Is that right? What is your, what is your business and what, and who's your ideal client and what do you do? Just tell me that real quick before we go. Trend up media, trend up dot media is the website looking to work more with brands, you know, with perhaps an established audience you know, but also individuals who, you know, don't really have time 
for all the little things of podcasting. You know, so it you takes mean, a lot of time. You'd like to start a podcast and then not stop after the fifth or sixth interview. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think trend that's up. A, media. Yeah. Learn more about it there. Yeah. So trend up media. Mm-hmm. Great. Good. And, and so you do work with individuals and you're looking to work with bigger brands and organizations who maybe already have an established audience. So just to put you on the spot, what would you bring to those people? Like if they already have a brand and it's yeah. established, they already have an audience. What do you think yeah. you would do for them? That would yeah. be the value add. Mm-hmm. So number one, it's a great thing in terms of brand marketing. Number two is there is, you know, with that built in audience, say like, a media company, I'm trying to think, like Fortune or yep. Vogue, like they should have a podcast. They they make money with ads. They are media companies, traditional media companies. And what better thing to have than literally like almost like your own TV channel where, where you're selling ad slots. Yeah. Of course, this is, but, but this is much cooler than a TV channel because it's a podcast. Yeah. You know the and, thing yeah. Say about podcasts that's really special, Jordan, is that mm. they're one of the few things besides music that people listen to in headphones a lot. They don't always, but the voice of the podcaster is always right next to your ear, whether you're yeah. listening on a speaker or in earphones. And when you're in earphones, it's almost like they're inhabiting the middle of your head. So it's tremendously intimate that way. And yeah, it's super accessible, really easy. It's a, it's not as much of an investment as watching something and listening to it. Yeah. So, I mean, like, as you mentioned, not only growing in profit, but also influence because it is yes. an intimate experience. Yeah. Yes. And, and now more than ever when, you know, we can't really, you know, a lot of businesses are shut down. I think it'd be a great, like people are still looking for education, entertainment and edutainment <laughs> yeah, and yeah. and what better thing I think now's the time to start a podcast for, for all companies. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, you know, I, I have some people I can talk to you offline about, about that. Okay. I, so the best place to just go find all things, Jordan Paris is jordanparis.com. Correct. Sir. Is there yes. a link to trend up media there. Yeah. Trend up dot media instead right. of .com dot media. Yeah. Yeah. Trend up dot media. So uh, thank you very much for coming. I've been really looking forward to this. I'm, you know, I'm hoping that you would say yes to coming back. Cause I'm certainly going to ask yeah. you to. And of course, uh, man. This, has been, this has been fun. Yeah. Like we'll have to talk about the talk and the whole preparation and, and the outcome when that eventually comes too. Okay. All right. Well, so yeah, once you finally give that TEDx talk, we'll have you come back if not before, but we'll have you come back and talk about your experience of that and what came of it, how it went, what you learned, things that, that stood out. That would be fabulous. I'd love to do that. I look forward to it. Okay, good. Thanks, Jordan. Thank you for joining the Speak Like a Leader podcast. Go be awesome. Awesome.